We need to be more kingdom-minded than that, don't we? And we need to be saying, hallelujah, he is holy. He is holy. He is holy. And that's what the Lord is putting on my heart. To, I can't get away from the, this grace and truth thing that the Lord put on my heart a couple of weeks ago. That we understand truth really good, but we struggle with grace. And we need to work on that. And, and to the point that the Lord is, is telling me that we need to be so kingdom-minded that we're not even focusing on anything but why the kingdom come. And that was for grace and truth. And so anyway, we need to be Christ-like that way. Uh, the sermon title today, and I think the Lord's wanting me to specifically zero in on sexual brokenness. Uh, I think there's lots of people that are battling sexual brokenness. I believe sexual brokenness is affecting uh, not only many of you in this room today, and it may be you're not participating in it, but, but you're having to deal with it. You're having to show grace and truth and, and operate in these things. But as we look around the world and we look around the U.S. of A, this, this sexuality crisis has become a big problem. And guys, if you look up crisis, it means times of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. I think that, that, that sexuality is such a big thing right now that we need to be focusing on as a church not to be judgmental, but to share truth and operate in grace. I'm going to read to you today from... Uh, um, John chapter 7, 53 through chapter 8, 1 through 11, if you want to turn with me there today. But, but Jesus gives us an example that how when somebody sexually broken came into the church, the temple, and, and it shows us how Jesus responded, how the church should respond. This is important because, guys, the world needs the church. They need men and women of God full of truth and operating in grace. John 7, 53 says, they went each to his own house. John chapter 8, 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, most likely to pray. And that's, again, that spiritual maturity I'm talking about. So many times that, that instead of going into prayer, we go back to the house because we're, we're just tired of things. The disciples had had a hard day, and they went each to his home, whereas Jesus went to pray. And that's the way we need to be when, when the world becomes a crisis. We need to go pray to the Lord. Verse 2, early in the morning, he came again to the temple all the people came to him and sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in an act of adultery. Now it is a law, in the law, Moses, in, other, in, the, word, in the truth, the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. 
So what do you say? Verse 6, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and, and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote in the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, answered the girl. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Obviously, we see two types of people or two types of sexual brokenness in here. We see the woman that committed adultery and stepped out and broke the law, broke the truth, and the, the church, if you will, came against her. Again, because of adultery was a sin, and it was to be stoned. We see the second part of this group, and this is the one I want us to really focus on today. It was the church. And, and, and the woman caught up in adultery she was brought before the church for judgment. There was absolutely no grace from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the church. They just kept going back to the law. Well, Moses said to Stoner. Well, Moses said to Stoner. And, it, and they just kept going back to that. And Jesus said, He who is without sin cast the first stone. Said to her, Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. And that's the way the church, I believe, needs to be responding with sexual brokenness in the world today. The Lord really put this on my heart, but a church without grace toward the sexual brokenness is a church spiritually broken. A church that is so judgmental that they can't bring somebody to Christ instead of judging them, they're totally without grace, is spiritually broken. Again, Jesus' response was grace. But we see that in the writings of Paul. For the wages of sin was death, truth. But the free gift of God is eternal life, grace. Jesus is teaching the church, us. Those caught in sexual brokenness should be, be loved by. We should be full of grace towards these people. This shouldn't be a judgment, but a drawing in. When God sends sexually broken people or broken people into the body of Christ, they need to be so overwhelmed by our love and, and the presence of God that they are drawn back to it. They are drawn back into the body. They want to be a part of this because it gives them hope. I went to a place this week and listened to a spiel that when I went out of there, I was hopeless. I was hopeless and I had to keep reminding myself 
It doesn't matter what man says. In Christ, all things are possible. Where I went, they gave you no hope. But Christ gives us hope and grace. And it draws people. It draws me to know that, that when I do mess up, when I do make mistakes, that there's grace, then there's, there's God's presence that is still with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. A lot of times I believe the church worries too much about what's going on and, and, instead of uh, what the world thinks, excuse me, instead of what God wants to see done. I think that I've seen people change what they believe because under peer pressure. They may come up to me and say, oh, I believe this, but when they get around their friends, around the peer pressure, their story changes. And, and they begin to target along with the world those that are broken spiritually, those that are, are, are sexually broken. They begin to talk about them and, and, and begin to target them. I want to ask you guys something today. Point two, targeted. Was Mary Magdalene targeted, targeted by the spiritually and spiritually broken church? How many of you have heard that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, a whore. That's, that's all I've heard my whole life. And, and I want you to think about that. The Bible I can see in there says Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. I, I see that. And, 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 and it's, but anyhow, but I can't think of the other scripture right now. Help me with this. But where's the scripture that says that she was a whore or a prostitute in the Bible? Uh, would you look that up for me? Man, I tell you what, wasn't Wednesday a beautiful day? I, I, we had staff meeting and, and meetings all morning and, and into the afternoon, and I was so excited. The sun was out, and, and I got me a new mower, and, and I wanted to go out and run it. And, and I was just pumped, man. And, and so I go out and I put my favorite jeans on and, and, and my work jeans on and I've lost a little bit of weight and they weren't staying up. So I got a pair of suspenders and cinched them down and I went out and began to mow. And, and the day was so beautiful and it was so awesome. And, and so I decided to get some sun. So I took my shirt off and, and man, I'm really sunning and just taking it in and just loving it. And, and, and anyway, I, Went into the house and got the notice and I got too much sun and walked in the back door and my wife begins to laugh at me. Can you believe that? And she goes, honey, have you started wearing a bra? I go, what are you talking about? The suspenders protected me. And I was red everywhere else but where the suspenders were. And it looked like I had been wearing a bra. And I thought, oh my goodness, when I go swim at the Y, they're going to be making stories up about the pastor that wears a bra. <laughs> uh, man, the, the stories, man, just think if Jason Morton gets a hold of that. No, I'm kidding, Jason. But, but I've tortured him so much as a kid that he'll look for something to get back at me. And, and anyway, it really crossed my mind, not that, but, but boy, I wonder what people will think. Man, I don't want to be known in the area with a cross-dressing pastor. 
That'd be kind of hard on the, me- the message, wouldn't it? By the way, has anybody found that scripture? Most likely, you're not going to find that scripture because I can't find it in the Bible. Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John never refer to Mary Magdalene as a whore or prostitute in their writings. I'm not saying it couldn't have been true. I'm saying I can't find it in the Bible. So why have we been taught all these years? Why have I been raised that Mary Mary Magdalene was a prostitute? Scholars believe it was a conspiracy of some early church leaders who felt threatened by Mary Magdalene's influence and decided to tag her as a whore. Because women weren't supposed to be doing things. She was looked on as a, a disciple. She was looked on as, as a woman of God, as a leader, as a, a person in control of, of the things of God. But did some tear down her character because of peer pressure and what was going on in the world? Kind of like me in that nice sunny day, just out enjoying the the things that God has given me. But again, don't you know? I'm not saying that's fact. But I want you to pray and think about these things today. I'm just trying to get us to think a little bit. But a church with no grace towards sexual brokenness is a church spiritually broken. I know so many people that have been through this body that, that have done the same things that we have done, but yet they got caught, so they were persecuted. I can remember a time years ago that, that we had several teenage girls pregnant in the church, and, and, and this has been 10, 15 years ago, and I could sense it and feel it in my spirit, the persecution and the judgment over them girls. And I got in the pulpit and said, guys, they just got caught. How many of you have been tied up in a sin and nobody just knew about it? Jesus targets us with grace. This is what Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said about Mary Magdalene. They mentioned, that Mary Magdalene, they mentioned Mary Magdalene 12 times in the Gospels, more than most of the apostles. In all three of the four Gospels where Mary Magdalene is mentioned by name, nothing is said about her past life, but only her appearance at the death and resurrection of Jesus. Her witness to the crucifixion in Matthew 27, Mark 15, John 19, and the burial, Matthew 27, Mark 15, Goes on into her early arrival at the empty tomb, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and witness to the resurrection, Matthew 28, 9, John 20, 14. Also, the Gospel of Luke mentions her in connection with the Lord Jesus' daily life and public ministry, Luke 8, 1 through 3. Naming her among other female disciples and financial supporters, as well as stating that she had been set free from the power of seven demons. 
And my whole point is, is what you believe on her being a prostitute or whatever, uh, whatever you believe, I'm just saying whether she was or not, Christ never said one negative thing about her, never confessed that over her because he operated in grace. Jesus never gave in to tearing down the broken. Actually, there are three instances of Jesus dealing with a woman who had made a misstep. This one we just read about, the sinful woman in Luke 7, 36 through 50, and the Samaritan woman in John 14, 18. In all three cases, Jesus was exceedingly considerate, and he was always ready to welcome back the prodigal. See Luke 15. Jesus believed in the power of God to set people free. Jesus believed in his own resurrection to set people free. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Oakton, we must answer God's call upon our church to be kingdom-minded and to save the lost, heal the sick, heal the sexually broken, operate in the grace and truth of God. Point three, I believe God is calling Oakton out to be kingdom-minded and not worldly-minded. Let me rephrase that. I believe the Lord is calling Oakton out to be more kingdom-minded because I don't doubt that you're kingdom-minded. Uh, I, I think you get a lot like me if you want to go to that slide. I told you earlier I brought, a, brought another grasshopper. And, and this is my collection of grasshoppers, and, and I like grasshoppers. And they said, do you want to trade your old one in? Uh, one of them grasshoppers is 22 years old. Can you tell which one it is? Uh, another one's probably 15 years old. Can you tell which one it is and which one's a new one? Uh, uh, but I like to do that. I like to mow. I like to sit out and enjoy life. That's who I am. Uh, if you want to look at this, two of the pictures have been with me over two, 22 years. So two things in that picture has been with me over 22 years. My wife and that old mower. And I'm not saying one's more valuable than the other. Not saying that at all. Jason, don't start anything on me now. Uh, I'm just kidding, Jason. I got I to gotta pick on him. I always did as a kid too. But, but we can't. What I believe the Lord is saying is we can get so caught up in our worldly accomplishments, our worldly collections, our, 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 our wanting this and wanting that and, and wanting to do this and wanting to do that, that the kingdom of God gets put back here. When the kingdom of God needs to be front and center and all these things else are added unto it. But I can see how easy it would be to get caught up in, in, in the things that we want to do and the things that we desire and, and let God take a set and seat. But Jesus, I remind you, the, when he, after his death and his resurrection, the days that he spent with the disciples, he focused on the calling out of his disciples to, to, to preach the gospel, to, to get them kingdom-minded, you know, after that, that in that 40 days in the, during the, the, after his resurrections, we see in John 20 that, that I believe they received Christ. The Holy Spirit came in at salvation. 
And then we see in Luke 24, 46 that he's, he's telling them how to be kingdom-minded. It is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are a witness of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So he's telling them the discipline and the doctrine and the, the way to be kingdom-minded. And he's talking and he's teaching to them. You can read Mark 16, Matthew 28, you know, John, whatever it is, I think 16, but, or it'd be more than that. But, but anyway, he's telling them how to be kingdom-minded. Then he said, when you get the Holy Spirit, that you're going to be reminded of all these things I've taught you. And you're going to be able to walk in faith and do the things that I taught you. But stay kingdom-minded. Keep the kingdom of God before you. Guys, I, I'm really concerned today, and, and a gal sent this uh, deal to me this week, but, but we're in the last days. And this meeting I was at uh, Friday night, it, it demonstrated that we are definitely in the last days. I did not go to the Stronger Men's Conference, by the way. I don't want you to get confused. I just hit me because... That, that was a move of God there. That's where I wished I could have been. I was at another conference that I was required to go to. Okay? I want to clear that up. But, but, but guys, I can see the scripture in Luke 24 when it says that, that don't be deceived in Luke 24, 4. Jesus says, don't be deceived. Or if you read the SV, don't be led astray. He warns the church of that. Then that you jump down to, to, to 2424, and he said, even the elect will be deceived if they so choose. Right. And that's what I'm seeing, that, that we've got so focused on our kingdom, on our institute, on who we want to build instead of the kingdom of God. And I'm seeing elect people that I respect and that I have admired my lifetime. I'm seeing uh, people that I consider men and uh, women of God that are falling back. And they're picking up on, on these worldly ideas and instead of sticking to God's word because it's going to be hard to operate in truth and grace in the last day if we're not dependent on the Lord. We're not going to be the most favorite person in the room until that person gets saved and then you're going to be the most favorite person in that room. But man, we must be kingdom-minded and that scripture, you read about it. It's talking about Christ is coming back. These are the signs that the elect will be deceived. Guys, there's more than, you know, when I was growing up, you'd see a man here or a woman there be deceived. You're seeing whole denominations be deceived. We're seeing whole communities being deceived. It's over a lot of it, the sexual crisis in the country. And we must be going to the world to, to, to set them free instead of just, oh, it's okay. Come on. The Holy Spirit is calling us to be more kingdom-minded. Because, guys, I, I love and respect all of you in here today. You're the best. But God's calling us higher. 
to save the lost, to water baptize. And again, we're doing a baptism May 29th to baptize them the Holy Spirit and, and to bring them in, bring people in. And again, I believe the Lord is specifically telling us to come against sexual brokenness. Confirmation of this that, that really stepped out is the Lord is already burning this on my heart. April 19th at the pastor staff meeting, uh, the pastor staffs who evaluates me as a pastor and, 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 and they're my accountability team, if you will. And anyway, they're voted in by you, by the way. And there's nine of them plus lay leaders. There can be as many as 12 people there. But, but they were doing the evaluations for Pastor Inbar and myself that would go on to the conference. And the question that was asked there was, what do the pastor and church leadership need to learn together? Or what resources do you need in order to accomplish your goals? This was their answer. And it was uncoached by me. I was floored. I was floored. The church should provide answers for cultural sexuality crisis and find resources to help guard our world in sexuality. Confirmation. As I told you guys, I'm leaving for um, Indianapolis probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday, uh, to meet with the WCA and. And, and again, you're going to be able to watch the Saturday part, but I'm a delegate that votes on resolutions for the WCA and that gives ideas for the GMC, but, but I get to be a delegate for the state of Missouri for that. And anyway, in this, there's resolutions we're going to vote on and, and different things we're going to vote on, but one of the resolutions is sexual brokenness and how the church will respond. And this is their idea about how the, the church will respond if we come together with them. So we see that the Holy Spirit is dealing with Oakton on this. It's dealing with the WCA on this. It's dealing with me on this. And, and maybe God's trying to tell us something. So I want to move into the definition of sexual brokenness. Uh, again, the definition is we have all sinned and fall short of uh, the, the glory of God. Now, this is the uh, resolution that I'll probably vote yes on. Well, I will vote yes on. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. And all creation is marred by the effects of sin, Romans 8, 19 through 23. Sexual brokenness is the result of our own sexual sin, which includes our thoughts and our attitudes along with our actions, Matthew 5, 28. For if you think it, you just will be doing it. Uh, sexual brokenness also occurs as a consequence of our being sinned against, wounded by the sin of others. Everyone has a de some degree of sexual brokenness, which manifests itself in all numbers of ways, including, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but what I want to stress here is that's what the Lord has put on my heart. The, the, the sexual brokenness that, that we can heap on people. And that's what we need to be careful about through our talk and our words. And then the sexual brokenness that, that people just endure. And, and I'll explain more, or this resolution explains more. This is their definition of sexual brokenness. Adultery, divorce, failing to report or investiga investigate sexual abuse, homosexuality, incest, lewd remarks, lust, um, 
genderqueer. Uh, and that's an umbrella for a term because it, but anyhow, pansexual, pedophile, polygamy. Um, I'm not sure I'm saying this one right, but polymer, which is uh, several sex partners. And you say that's not a big deal. It is. There's three or four partners getting buried at a time in some states. Um, pornograph, rape, sexism, sex trafficking, sexual abuse, sexual addiction, sexual harassment, sex outside the marriage, sexual sin with mar- within marriage, sexual stereotyping, transgenderism, underage marry, marriage. So that's their definition of some things they believe falls underneath sexual brokenness. And as I said, some of them could be things that, that we allow as things that we put on people because we don't stand against, you know, different things like sex trafficking or we don't stand against, I believe, abortion and some other things like we should. I think Oakland does, but I'm talking about the church. The WCA's definition of sexual holiness is it is God's will that all people experience wholeness and live lives of holiness. This includes the stewardship and the management of our sexuality within the Lord's boundaries of reserving sexual union for marriage and practicing chastity when not in that covenant relationship. The WCA's vision on this resolution, by the way, it's 14 pages. And anyway, uh, when I got it, I was like, oh my, I don't have time to look through this. I was so intrigued by it, I've read it at least two times, if not three, because it's so refreshing. But, but making, and this is just parts of it, I'm not going to read you 14 pages, it'd take me two days to do that, but, but making disciples for transformation of the world. What would the world look like if each of us obey the Lord in the area of sexuality? That's what I want to get a hold of today. What would the world look like? It would mean a world without sex trafficking, without prostitution, a world without sexual abuse within the church as well as outside of the church, a world where fathers and husbands, along with mothers and wives, lived up to their calling, and the number of single-parent families would be drastically reduced. The increased stability in the home would in turn contribute to a decrease in the prison population, improved education, and a number of other social benefits. Abortion rates would plummet, along with sexually transmitted diseases, leading to improvements in health. Toxic shame and loneliness would decrease. As sex without a lifelong covenantial relationship would no longer be a contributing factor either. The pornograph industry would be bankrupt as a result of the decreased demand for the dehumanizing view of women, men, and children that Satan is trying to sell us, and a decreased supply of people willing to make and sell things. Money formerly spent on sexual exploitation would be freed to help combat the pressing needs of providing clean water, nourishing food, and affordable housing. Advertisers would have to find new ways to hawk their products while the value of a person would rise in dignity above their appearance. Relationships would be healthier among families and friends. In short, obedience in this one part of our lives would go a long way in transformation of the world that Wesley envisioned. 
with scriptural holiness being spread throughout the land, bringing flourishing wholeness and delight. Life without sexual brokenness would be free, would free us for, for a deeper intimacy with God and with others. Intimacy with God stirred up into express, expressions of love and good works in our gathering together, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. This is what will transform the world of sexual brokenness which exists in and among us. And again, I just read you a short part of that. And it just blessed me. Man, what would the world look like if the churches acted responsibly? If the Christians acted like the word of God called them to act, and not only act it, but believe it and live it with all that they are. If you go read Hebrews 10, 24, it says, Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, most of the time when you hear that, that scripture, uh, it's us browbeating you, church needs to be important. But what I'm trying to focus on there today is we go to church, we spend time together, we go to Bible studies, we go witness, we go evangelize to stir up one another in love and good works. That's why the church is here. We're here to bring grace and truth to people, to take them out of a bad situation into a good situation. Not to say, oh, man, that Joe, yeah, you're right, that Joe, man, yeah, 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 uh-uh. God is calling the church to a higher level. Will you stand with me on this today? Will you agree? No, no. Will you agree with what I believe the Lord is telling us today? That we would stand for sexual holiness. That we would stand for the things of God and not be intimidated by the world. That we would lift each other up and that we would glorify God and that, that, that we would see the results that could happen if we would walk in these ways. But if there would be anybody in here today or online that is sexually broken and just hurting inside, I want to challenge you to come to these altars today. If you've been sexually mistreated I want you to come to these altars today because the Lord wants to bring you refreshing. He wants to renew you. He wants to show you grace. He's wanting to love on you. He's wanting to set you up above it all. And guys, if the church, if you, the church, are struggling, I guarantee you if, if, if I could put a light on everything everybody was doing in this church, the things that we hide because we're ashamed of, it would blow your mind. But I say to you, why do we feel like we got to hide? If we're a loving church and you believe you're a loving person, we shouldn't have to hide who we are. When Landon wears the same shirt I do, I don't make fun of him. I just love him. I'm just kidding. But my point is, guys, we, 
Why do we hide? Why do we hide from the one that can give us deliverance? Why do we hide from the people that would encourage us and lift us up? And that's the church I want to be. And, and I've been convicted that maybe we're not doing enough to, to show this. But I'm here to help you. I got a call from a person the other day that they said I said something bad about them. And, and they wouldn't call me. They had to call somebody else to tell me. Which blows my mind. If, if I'm looking at this from a business side, why would I run people away from the church? But that's not my heart. I don't look at the business side. I look at the spiritual side. Why would I run somebody away from the church? Why would they think that? So what, what do we put out? When somebody walks in the room, do we just turn the other way? Or when somebody walks in the room and, and our children go to play with theirs and you're saying, oh, bring, come back over here, kids. Don't play with them. What is it that we put out to make people feel like they can't open up? And I don't know, maybe it's on them. But that's what I want to break down here as a body, that we can break down these barriers and help each other. That's Jesus' heart. And that's my heart. But Oakton, would you answer this call today? And, and, and by coming to these altars, if you're spiritually broken, by coming to these altars, maybe repenting of hurting others with our words, or maybe just at least come up and, and tap the, the altar and say, Lord, I heard you today. Lord, I, I hear you, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that. But let me know if you're behind this. But Father, if there'd be anyone today hurting in the house, Lord. Father, we ask that you'd bring them deliverance in Jesus' name. Father, that they would answer this call today and that they would move out of their seats and, and run to your throne and say, Lord, I need you. You're all I need. Father, that we'd reach out to our brothers and sisters that, to, to lift us up and to, to help us, Lord. But Father, most of all, I ask that, that these people would forget anything but what your Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And Father, I ask that it just raise up in them to where they can't take it. They got to listen. They got to deal. But Father, let us see your love and grace today at these altars in Jesus' name.